uh, a society without any authority is equally as bad, right? There is absolute chaos if there is no authority. There is disorder of all kinds if there is no authority. Without someone that's in charge or a clear sense of something that is in charge, people give in to their selfishness. Think of the old book, Lord of the Flies, right? When there is no authority, there is disorder and chaos of all kinds. And lack of clear authority is equally as harmful as abusive authority. Now, authority is not an inherently moral thing. Humans, you and I, are moral and ethical creatures. And some do better with this authority than others. We must recognize that really what we long for as humans is a pure, godly, perfect authority. Because if we had that, it would be for the good of all of us, not just some of us, not the elite, not the ones in those circles. Now, Jesus is coming today, and he's coming in the book of Luke, and he's often proclaiming that the kingdom of God is here. He's going to proclaim that today. He's going to proclaim that many times throughout that. And what he means in saying that the kingdom of God is here, he means the king is here. He's saying the authority, the ruler is here. And he is making a claim of authority. That he is the rightful ruler over all things. That, that under his rule, things will be for our good. Because he is sinless. Because he is perfect. We want him to have absolute authority. We don't want any of us to have absolute authority. It would not be good for any of us. Absolute authority corrupts absolutely, as they say. But we do want Jesus, the perfect one, the righteous one, the king over all, who knows what is best and does what is best by his nature. We do want him to have this ultimate authority. And today we're going to see that in, in three different stories. We're going to see how Jesus is going to prove that he has power and authority. He has it over three different things. He has it over the spiritual realm. He has it over the physical realm, and he has it over the eternal realm. Jesus is the absolute authority. There is no question about that, and he is going to prove that today. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 31. We'll read all the way to the end of the chapter. And he, speaking of Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us? I don't know how that ha sounds. I, I don't know. Ha! That's how it sounds in my head. Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This is the demon speaking. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Verse 38. 
And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. This is Peter, Simon Peter. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him, Jesus, on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let me pray. God, we thank you for uh, Jesus. And as, as often as we think about him as our, our savior, our rescuer, our redeemer, God, may we equally see him as our authority. God, as, may we see him as our king, as our ruler, the one that we submit to. God, because that's how he is portrayed. That's how you have revealed him to us. And so I pray this morning that we would see, one, that he is the rightful authority over us, God, but also that we would submit to that authority in our lives. God, I pray that that authority would give us confidence to do what he tells us to do in his kingdom, that he rules with authority. God, we pray for your kingdom to come here in Huntington, Texas. We pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. God, we long to see the day where King Jesus rules over all and everything works as it should. God, we long for that day. And so we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Let's look at each one of these stories. Uh, first, the story of Jesus healing the man with the unclean spirit. Now, for many of us, uh, we've probably never seen a demon-possessed person. Um, if you've been to Africa, I believe uh, they encounter that from time to time. And now demons may look a little different today. They may look like other things besides crazed and foam at the mouth and all that sort of stuff. For us, this is a little unique, though. Can we just admit that? We're not... No one typically arises in the middle of a church service with a demon, okay? Probably not going to happen this morning. If it does, we're going to pray, okay? That's our, that's our strategy, all right? But this day, Jesus is in the temple. Now, previous to this, Satan has been in the wilderness with Jesus. And you remember one of the temptations that he tempted Jesus was with authority. He tempted him with giving him all the kingdoms of the world that he could rule over them. And in a sense, Satan had that because he's called the God of this world. He, he rules in a certain sense over our day and our age. We see his influence. We see Satan's influence in our day. Now, Jesus doesn't give into this temptation, thankfully. But if Jesus is going to be the Messiah, as he said last week, that's here to set the captives free. He's here to set those who are oppressed free. He's here to liberate 
then at the very least, he must be able to defeat Satan and a little demon that's filled this man, right? If he can't do that, he's not really here to set the captives free. If he can't do even that, so that's exactly what's happening in this passage. Luke is telling us this to demonstrate that Jesus has power over the spiritual realm. So Jesus shows up in their synagogue. Remember these little gatherings and all these little communities where they would come, study the Old Testament, pray, sing, those sorts of things. And it says the people were astonished or amazed at his teaching. Uh, why? What does it say? Look at verse uh, 32. It says, they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. His word possessed authority. He's not just quoting other people and saying, this rabbi says this. He's not just referencing something else. He's standing up and proclaiming, this is the word of the Lord. I'm not going to do that today. (laughs) Only as far as I read this right? Jesus stood and taught with an authority that no one else can. Why? Because he is the word of God and he was sent to teach the word of God to the people of God, right? And so his teaching, him being in right relationship with God, perfect relationship with God, forever being God, when he spoke, it meant something, right? I I used to say when I first preached my first sermon, whatever, however long ago that was, Glenn, 10 years ago, it was cute, I don't know that it was authoritative, but it was a little cute. Jesus this day does not speak and people go, oh, that's so cute. No, they say he is speaking with authority. His word has authority. There's a man in the midst of this that rises up and he is filled with a demon. And it says in verse 33, let's look at it together. In the the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. There's a demon that fills this man, and this man stands up, and I don't know... I don't know if the man is speaking or if the demon's speaking through him or what. Just, I just don't have life experience with that, okay? But this demon is saying, I, what have you to do with us? And the sense of what he is saying is, like, wait, no, no, our time is not yet. Why are you here? Why are you attacking me now? I thought I, thought I had a little more time. Like, what? We're, we're, we're meeting right now? Now, it's, it's really interesting because this demon is fully aware of who Jesus is, right? He, he calls him two different names, Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy One of God. Remember the story in Nazareth. These people weren't so sure that this wasn't just Jesus, son of Joseph. They weren't sure that he really was the son of God. This demon, he's got no doubt. He knows who this is, and he clearly says, I know you're the son of God. I know you're the Messiah. I know you're the one that's here to destroy us, right? This demon knows and he shudders. He says, what have you done? What what do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? You see, Jesus is coming and he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. And what that means is that a new king is coming in and the old kingdom is passing away. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of of chains, the kingdom of sin. And he knows that when Jesus shows up as the Messiah, that his time is over. This demon is going, is it really time? This demon knows that Jesus is sovereign. And he knows that when Jesus shows up, there's nothing that he can do 
to stop him. That's what 1 John 3, 8 says. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil and his demons know that when Jesus shows up, their reign of terror is diminishing. It doesn't happen all at once. There's still an influence today all around us. But Jesus looks at him in verse 35. says, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. There's, there's, no, there's no sense in the text that what Jesus does is he goes, Okay, I've got to whip out my little magic book. Okay, what do I do in this? Okay, I've got to recite this. I got I to gotta do this incantation. We got to burn this little stick. We got to cast this little spell over this demon. No, did you see what happened? What does Jesus do? He commands, like we command our kids, hey, pick up your room. It's that simple. He looks at this demon. He says, be silent, come out of him. There's no magic. There's no anything. Why? Because Jesus is the authority. There's no doubt about that in the demon's mind. And he has no other reaction than to submit to that authority. And it says uh, that he tells him to be silent. And this one's always intrigued me because he's going to do it again later. Why? Why does he tell him to be silent? Because what he has said was true, right? He said, you are the Holy One of God. Wouldn't we want him speaking? Wouldn't we want him telling the truth? But Jesus knows that the demons come from Satan, who is what? The father of lies, right? And he does not want the enemies going around and spreading all kinds of lies. There's that. There's also the fact Jesus does not want his uh, reputation as the Messiah to spread yet. His time has not come. There's political ramifications to proclaiming there's a new king in town. You hear me, right? You don't just show up and say there's a new king in town and get away with it with the old king, all right? So Jesus does, does not want this spreading. And so he commands this demon to come out and to be quiet. And what does he do? Exactly as he is told. Jesus is the authority. And that's what it says in verse 36. It says, they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. What is this word? They they realize that just as Jesus' teaching had been with authority, now he commands the spiritual world with a word. He doesn't have to touch. He doesn't have to do some ritual. He just speaks, and it obeys. And this is something new. And it says that reports about him went all around the surrounding regions. This is the first of 21 miracles that are going to happen in the book of Luke. 21 different times. That doesn't mean that's all that ever happened. Uh, There's different miracles in Mark and John and Matthew, right, that are recorded. But Luke's going to tell 21 different miracles to demonstrate one thing, that Jesus is the authority over all creation, 
He is the authority over the spiritual world. He's the authority over the physical world. He's the authority over the eternal world and every other world you can think of. Jesus is the rightful authority. Look at verse 38. It says, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon Peter's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So after that Sabbath uh, day where they're all in the synagogue, uh, it wouldn't have been that uncommon for them to go and have a normal Sunday meal. Uh, Saturday meal, sorry. Right? So they all go home after the synagogue service. And Peter, uh, he's not yet fully a disciple, but he invites Jesus, who has spoken at the, the service that day, and he invites him to his mother-in-law's house, his wife's mother's house for lunch. Now, I don't know Peter's motive in this. I don't know if Peter knew she was sick or if she had gotten sick that morning. I don't know if he knew that Jesus could heal, but he invites her there. He invites Jesus there. Now, the physical effects of the fall of sin are everywhere, right? Sin has caused all kinds of illness and weakness and injury. Now, this doesn't mean that because you cheated on your taxes, that's why you have cancer. That's not what he means, right? But it does mean that we live in a broken world where sin's effects are everywhere. We can see it all over us in sickness. And it tells us that, that Luke's mother-in-law, I'm sorry, Peter's mother-in-law that day has a high fever. And so what, is it, what happens? Peter, exhibiting some early boldness, some early faith, appeals to Jesus and and. Asking, hey, you want to do something about this? You, you want to you pray for her? I know what you can do to the demons. Maybe you can do something for this. And it tells us that Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever. Anybody ever rebuked a fever in here before? Anybody got a playbook on this one? How do you rebuke a fever? Cody, you ever preached a sermon, How to Rebuke a Fever? Okay, all right. We'll leave it unpreached. Jesus does something that you and I probably are never going to do. He stands over Peter's mother-in-law, and just like he rebuked this demon, he now rebukes a fever and tells it to go. And because Jesus is the rightful authority over the physical world, even of sin's effects on this world, the fever has to go. The fever has to obey even though I'm the rightful authority over my kids, my kids don't have to obey. They still have a choice. This fever has no choice but to obey the rightful ruler and authority over it. It says it left her. Immediately, she rose and began to serve. This, 
This is how we're supposed to call our kids to obedience. We talked about it this week in our parent training. Maddie says it this way, that we're to call them to obedience right away, all the way, with a happy heart. My dad didn't use that kind of sweet, mamby-pamby language. Right away, all the way, with a happy heart. My dad would say, attitude is everything. That's what he would have said. Jesus, right here, when he commands this illness to leave her, it has to leave right away, and it does. It has to leave all the way, and it does. I don't know the condition of its heart as it walked away from her that day. But there was no period of waiting. There was no, like, let's give the medicine time to work. She was better immediately. So much so that she got up and she began to serve them lunch, right? This is, stands very much in contrast to many faith healers today who proclaim that they can heal you. They can lay hands on you and heal you. And, and what they'll say a lot of times, and I'm not denying the fact that healing exists, but many of these faith healers wheel this around as if, you're going to, every, every illness is going to be fixed and you're going to have all this healing and all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, oftentimes it takes a long time for it to take effect. Or it's not for, not everyone is able to come. Not every illness is healed. Right? Jesus has full authority and there is no illness or sickness or disease or anything that is beyond his authority and rule. He doesn't heal over time. He doesn't heal vague sicknesses that can't be verified. He heals everyone. He raises the dead. He proves that he has authority. So much so, it says, verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. If you watch some of these uh, faith healers and their crusades, there's people that have gone in with real debilitating illnesses like cerebral palsy or, or something like that. And what will happen in these faith healing crusades is those people will be filtered out. They're not allowed to come to this faith healer. Why? <laughs> Why? Why wouldn't you let everyone come? Well, because the faith healer knows that he can't really heal them, Right? Jesus in this moment does not filter out the difficult cases. He doesn't go, uh, you've got a, a DNA issue and I don't do that. You've got this kind of issue, I can't do that. No, he is the rightful ruler and authority over all physical things. There is nothing beyond his power. And he heals everyone. Why is he healing? Is he just some magician that's in town to try to draw a crowd? No. He's healing to prove that what his word is, is true. That the word that he proclaims that the kingdom of God is here, he's, he's healing to demonstrate the truth of that claim. He, he also heals on that same occasion. It says that many demons were coming out of many. And they too were crying, you're the son of God. Which sounds like an insult, but it's not. It seems like the demons would be shouting insults at him, but they're just proclaiming the truth. And what does Jesus do? It says he rebukes them. He would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Jesus doesn't want his messiahship to be announced by the demons. Who's going to announce it? He is. By his words and by his actions. 
by the word that he proclaims and by the miracles that he performs. He's not allowing the demons to do that. Jesus not only has rightful authority over the spiritual realm, demons, but he has the rightful authority over the physical realm. There is no earthly. Now think about this. If the Messiah really is the Messiah, the one who's here to save us all from everything, he's got to be able to defeat the, the spiritual forces that are at work, right? But he's also got to be able to reverse the curse. He's got to be able to deal with the physical things that are wrong today because of sin. If he can't do that, he's not really the Messiah. He doesn't really have full authority. But Jesus is coming, and Luke is telling us these stories to prove to us that he has both. Look at verse 42. Last one. We don't have time. All right. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This pattern will play out many times in Jesus' ministry, that he will go to a desolate place, just like he's been in the wilderness. He needs to get alone. Why? So that he, think about this, the God of the universe in human form, but still the God of the universe. He needs time away so that he can pray in fellowship with God, so that he can speak to the Father, so that he can be ministered to, right? His eternal relationship with the Father is going to continue while he's here on this earth. And just a brief aside, it's not the main point of the text. We should learn from this, right? We have limits. We need time away. We need time away from the hustle and the bustle. We need time away. Yes, we need to be in the world, pointing people to Jesus, helping draw them away from their sin and to Christ. But we need time to recharge. We have limits. And Jesus is showing us that this pattern is good. It says that the people sought after him and, and wanted him to stay. They wanted to see more, probably. Maybe they had relatives that they wanted to be healed. Maybe they just wanted to see the next big thing. Maybe they wanted to see what else he had to say. They didn't want him to leave. And I, I think Jesus might have wanted to stay in his flesh. But what does he say? Verse 43. He says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. The Father has sent Jesus to this earth as the Messiah for this purpose, to preach the good news for everyone. It's not just for Capernaum. It's not just for Nazareth. It's not just for Jerusalem. It's not just for Israel. It's for Sidon and Angelina County, and it's for all the peoples of the earth. And he's going about, and what does it say? He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So he's not even saying here yet, it's the good news of forgiveness of sins. That's how we preach it today, and that's true. He's proclaiming the kingdom. The ruler is here. The king and the rightful authority has shown up. That's the good news. That doesn't sound like good news in our day. We think authority, ah, uh, that's bad. Jesus says the good news of the kingdom of God. The king is here, and this is the purpose that he was sent for. And really he's saying that his purpose was to preach. 
His purpose was to preach this good news. Yeah, the miracles are important and they verify things, but if we don't have an experience with the good news that the authority and the ruler of all things is here, then we've missed it. We've missed it. Now, why does Luke tell us these stories? Why does Luke tell us these stories? One, they're awesome, right? If you knew these stories, you'd be telling them too. If you got to hear these stories about all that Jesus could do, you'd be telling it to everybody, right? But he really tells us this, and he's proven a point, that Jesus is the rightful authority over spiritual things, over the physical world, and over our eternity, the kingdom of God. He is our rightful authority. And I got to thinking about this just as we close. Why does that matter? Why does it matter to us today that Jesus is our authority? And, and, and why is that good news? And how should we respond? How should we live differently? So the first one is, is this, is submission and obedience. Submission and obedience. Those are not real popular words. <laughs> no one wants to be told we're here to submit and to obey. Why? Because usually to, it's, it's, it's to a wicked earthly leader. It's to a, a corrupt system. But Jesus tells us that we are to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying for that. Because we want to see God's kingdom come here in Huntington, Texas. We don't want to see Huntington ruled by, by drugs or ruled by, by lusts of the flesh or ruled by all sorts of other demons that exist today. No, we want to see the whole earth come under the submission and the obedience to Jesus as the rightful authority. That's what he tells us when we're praying for God's kingdom to come in our earth, in our family, in our community. Because we know that our earthly kingdom is not enough. It's broken. But it's, it's that, it's submission, but it's also obedience. I think when we think of God, sometimes we just think of his love. We don't think of him as ruler and authority. But he is. And we are called to obey his authority. To submit our lives, our desires, our finances, our family, our parenting, our sports, our everything is in submission to him as our authority. That's one thing that it means for us. I think second, it means that we should be thankful. We should be thankful that we have the best king the best authority, a perfect king, a, a perfect ruler, because his kingdom and living under it is what is best for us. Why would we want to go live in the kingdom of darkness that desires to still kill and destroy? No, we want to live under the king who, who rules over all things and created the world and knows what is best and does what is best. And we should be thankful this morning that we are not in the kingdom of darkness, but we've been rescued and brought into the kingdom of light. We should be thankful this morning. But lastly, we should be empowered. Jesus in the Great Commission, what does he say? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? It means everything that exists is under the authority of Jesus. What does he say next? Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Right? If Jesus is in control of everything, we should be so empowered to go. 
Because there is no place that we go that He is not the ruler of. There is no place that we go that He will not one day have full dominion over. If He is the ruler and He is in charge and He tells us to go, one, we need to obey, but two, we should have, in confidence, have confidence that He is empowering us to do this. Not because we're so great, but because He is so great. There is no hindrance, there is no obstacle in the way that is too great for us because Jesus is the full and final authority over us. We should live this way. And it's a good thing that our King has come. Let me pray. God, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in here who has not submitted their lives to the authority of King Jesus. God, I pray this morning that they would. Yes, this King Jesus came and he died on a cross to pay the price for our sins and to rescue us. And he is loving and kind and gracious and merciful, but he is also the ruler and the authority over all things. And if we will not bow before him, if we will not give up our lives to the rightful ruler and king, then we have set ourselves in direct opposition to the king over all things. God, I pray if there is someone in here today who still rules over their life and refuses to give kingship to Jesus, God, I pray that today they would submit. And they would find freedom and mercy and forgiveness. God, I pray that you would, you would fill us up with power. You would fill us up with confidence in your word. Because you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And I pray that we would go. We would make new disciples. We would make mature disciples. God, but I pray that more than anything, we would do all things to honor King Jesus every area of our life this week, God. Whether it's seen or unseen, God, may it all glorify and honor you because there is no area of our life that is outside of your authority. And so I pray that you would give us a greater sense of your role as king and your role as authority over all things this week, God. God, we're thankful that you are our king. It's no longer the God of this world who aims to steal, kill, and destroy us, God, but you who came to give us life and give us life abundantly. And so I pray this week, God, that we would submit our lives and everything to you. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.